Galatians 5, 1 through 14, we'll begin our New Year's message series next week, and I'll introduce that in the sermon in a little bit. When you get your place, uh, let me just ask you the question, have you made your resolutions yet? Some of you have written some New Year's resolutions down. Uh, I know that for a fact. Uh, Others of you are saying, I don't go in for that kind of stuff. But let me tell you something about you, I don't go in for that kind of stuff, people. You do. You're actually thinking at the beginning of a new year how your life could be better. Uh, You're actually thinking things that could improve, things that could be shed. Uh, There's all kinds of things that uh, you are thinking right now as the new year is ahead of you. It is a new year with all kinds of possibilities. It's like a white piece of paper. It's fresh. It's ready to be lived in. And how will you live into the new year as a follower of Jesus? I'd like to draw out two different pathways spiritually for you to consider as we move into 2015. And uh, I'm not going to treat this passage exhaustively this morning, but I want to look at some important highlights to kind of set the tone spiritually for us. And I think when you leave today, you'll kind of, you'll have this tone set, I, I trust and I pray in your heart, but also to kind of set the stage for where we're going Uh, in this series of messages beginning next Sunday. So let me draw the two pathways, okay? Are you going to be a, a beam walker? I will explain in a moment. Are you going to be a beam walker or be a field runner? Here are the two paths, a beam walker or a field runner. Now you, you've walked on a beam, right? A narrow beam, uh, walking on a narrow beam, that would not be the way you'd want to get around in your life. Uh, why do you not want to walk on a beam more than just for fun, just for a few feet? Think about a railroad track, you know, like the track on a railroad track. I mean, how long can you actually walk? I guess if you get a good head of steam up, you can maybe uh, have some inertia and, and that'll help you keep on the rail, so to speak. But what if you raise that rail up about 20 feet in the air? You know, that's kind of what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a high beam. Now you're on a, on a railroad rail, you're 20 feet in the air. You're not going quite as fast 20 feet in the air, are you? No, what, what's happening on the beam? You are very careful where you're walking when you're 20 feet up. In fact, you're just worried that you're going to make a misstep. In fact, I can just see you in my mind just kind of doing your leg out like this and your arm out like that, trying to, to, to keep your balance. Well, beam walking is just like that. Beam walking is about fear. Beam walking is about fear of not having enough, not getting it right. The fear of falling. The fear of falling off the beam. And if beam walking, choice A, is about fear, then field running is just the opposite. It's about freedom. Now I want you to think of yourself as a child. I want you to place yourself in Liberty Park and you're just out in one of those fields and you're just, you just can run wide open. I mean, your chest is out, you're, you're breathing deeply, the sun is out. And you know what's great about running in that field? You can run anywhere you want to. It's not a matter of staying on the beam, is it? Oh, you may fall down, doesn't matter. Dust yourself off. It's not going to hurt you. Get back up. Go wherever you want to go. Now, I will tell you, there is a fence around the park. It's a fence around Liberty Park, in fact. And, 
in most in every city park. Um, but within that fence, and I'll talk about that fence in a little bit too. There's just acres of space and freedom to roam and to run and to express yourself within that park. So how you liking beam walking so far? As opposed to field running. Because it is rooted in grace, and that's what the field is. The field is God's grace. And because this life is rooted in grace, it is where we are not only free to express ourselves, where we are free to not have fear, but it's also a place where we are free to joyfully do all that God is leading us to do. This is where the fence will come in. There's actually going to be freedom that's going in a direction that is so wonderful. That actually enhances our joy and makes a difference not only in our lives, but makes a difference in the world around us. Now, in our text, Galatians 5, just a little background, the Galatian Christians, they're a little young church. You know, they, they had discovered that you really don't have to work for it, a relationship with God. You don't have to walk the beam with God. You know, whether that's um, Roman paganism, where you're trying to appease the gods, do whatever you want to, whether that's some of the people that are in the Jewish synagogue, you know, trying to make sure that they obey the law and and I've got to be okay and, and I've got to take a step. Don't fall off. They heard from Paul the message of the gospel. No, Jesus has walked this path perfectly in your place. Jesus has died in your place taking the punishment for all your sin against a holy God. Because of what Jesus has already done, you are free to run in a field. You don't have to walk on the beam. You can, you can run in the field. And Jesus rose again, and Jesus has the ability to give life to anyone who comes to him. Have you ever thought about the first time the gospel went out into the, uh, the ancient world, the Roman world. I mean, people heard this. And, you know, deep in our hearts, we know that somebody's got to work for it, don't we? Deep in our hearts, we know God is holy. We know He's perfect. We know God is greater than us. And deep in our hearts, isn't all religion trying to erase the gap between us and God? And what does that look like, after all, to erase the gap? Does it look like beam walking, trying to get it right? Or does it look like a sheer gift of grace? That God is giving us where it's already done. It's already finished. There's nothing you can do to mess it up, so to speak. You'll always be accepted by God. The Galatian people heard this message. And you know what they said? The ones that God's Spirit was opening their hearts. I'm in. They put their trust in Jesus. I mean, I just love the fact that the gospel comes for the first time to the Roman world. People hear it and they respond. Do you know that still happens today? You think, oh, I don't know. You know, you know, it's kind of unpopular to talk about the gospel. Is it really unpopular to talk about freedom in America? Maybe we ought to cast it in those terms. Is it really unpopular to talk about a, a love that will never let you go? Sins that are forgiven? Yes, it is because we have to say that we're sinners. But no, it's not because we're all seeking. All seeking with eternity in our hearts. This God. And the Galatian Christians realize it is not by 
works, but by faith in him and by faith in Jesus, we are declared not guilty, totally accepted. And because we're not guilty and our sins have been erased, the Holy Spirit comes into our heart and Christ is living in us through the Holy Spirit and we're adopted into God's family and we are free. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But some false teachers came in, you know, kind of like false teachers come in through the internet today. False teachers come in through the television today. False teachers are everywhere. Alternative messages to grace are everywhere, are they not? You will begin this year with a thousand different alternative messages to grace. And a lot of them mix some Christianity with some other stuff. And that's exactly what these false teachers were doing. They were saying, oh, uh, yeah, we love, you know, we love Jesus. Yes, he died on the cross. And, and it's not that we're not saying that it's not by faith in Jesus. It's not just faith in Jesus. You've got to be circumcised too. And you've got to obey the Jewish dietary laws as well. And you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And when you put your trust in Jesus, you kind of get in the door, so to speak. Kind of get a good running start at it. And when you do all these other things, that's when God really says, you know, now I accept you. On the basis of Jesus and all these rules, and they were the Jewish rules in the province of Galatia that these people from Jerusalem were coming to add to the gospel. And what's happening in Galatia? Paul's saying, you were running so well. He literally uses the word running. That's why I'm using the word running. You were running so well. What happened? Why are you up on the beam again? Why are you filled with such fear again? Are you crazy? He says, are you bewitched? <laughs> I'll say crazy. <laughs> and Paul is all but shouting at them the meaning of the gospel. Jesus matters. Jesus isn't just one part of the story of what causes us to be loved and accepted by God. Jesus is everything. Grace matters. Grace is everything. And so he's kind of asking this question, are you people going to live like you have Jesus or not? And what does having Jesus even mean to you? Will you live like your sins are wiped out or will you keep earning the wiping out of your sins? Will you live in the love of God that's already given to you? Freely given, are you going to try to earn the love of God by what you do and by what you try not to do on that beam? Will you live in the power of His love? Will you live in the power of His Holy Spirit? Will you really love God and people? Or will you just walk the beam and focus on all the possibilities of things that could go wrong or all the great things that you could cause to go right for yourselves by your own work? Does Jesus fit into this equation, you see? Does he fit into your equation? Well, of course he does. Pastor, this is a Presbyterian church. What kind of a question is that? It's a good question. How does he fit into your equation? That is the question, isn't it? Are you a beam walker who's just really appreciative of Jesus, but it's really up to you? Are you a field runner who knows it's all been done and you live in a field of grace, surrounded by a fence of God's word, channeling where that grace goes? Verse 7, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? He means the truth of the gospel. 
Which one of those do you want to be in 2015? Let's read our text. And I want you to think about beam walking and field running while we read the text, okay? Galatians 5, 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Can I just repeat that before I go on? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision, meaning he believes in Christ and feels like he needs to be circumcised as a part of being saved, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified, declared righteous, by the law, by your works, you have fallen from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. Only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. Oh yes, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one, the false teacher who is troubling you, will bear the penalty, whoever he is. Boy, that is strong, isn't it? Whoever's deviating from the gospel, God will take care of him, I assure you. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision which he was accused of. Why am I still being persecuted? You wouldn't be persecuted by these people if you were preaching what they preached. In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves, and I'm going to leave that one alone today. For you were called to freedom, brothers. You were called to freedom, brothers. Stand firm, therefore. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but rather through love, use your freedom to serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And just briefly, before we go to the table this morning, I just want to look at two things about to, for us to be free and us to live free. For us to recognize our freedom, be free and what that means. And for us to live free. For freedom Christ has set you free. Therefore, 
Do not submit again. Stand firm. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers. This resonates with the gospel, doesn't it? Because it is about the gospel. This resonates with Jesus' words in John chapter 8. Remember, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you what? Free. Four verses right after that, Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Do you recognize the freedom that you have starting this year in Christ Jesus, in the grace of God? There is no other anchor of Christianity but Christ. True? There is nothing but the grace of God and works at the final analysis at the end of the day for salvation. True? This is critical. If we're, not, if we're going to focus on something at the beginning of the year, God's grace and our freedom and how we respond to grace as believers is a very important thing to consider. Now, there's all this talk about circumcision uh, and, and Jewishness, the law in the sense of all these many laws that's kind of symbolized by the word circumcision, and they literally mean circumcision. He does as well. Um, Paul uses circumcision as an example of of beam walking. Uh, Paul in Galatians is saying something very closely related to what's being said in Acts chapter 15. Do y'all remember what's going on in Acts chapter 15? Acts chapter 15 is when all the apostles got together Paul and his cohorts went all the way back to Jerusalem and Peter and John, all of them were together because they needed to make an important decision. And here's the decision they had to make. What about the Gentiles who put their faith in Jesus? Is it by Jesus alone or do they have to be circumcised in addition to faith? That's the question. And then there were people in Jerusalem saying, you, got, you, you need to accept Jesus and you need to be circumcised. Then you'll be accepted by God. And you know what? The Jerusalem Council, it's called. Through Paul's influence, through Peter's influence, you know what their decision was? Their decision was to uphold the freeness of grace. It is only by Christ that we are saved. The Gentiles don't have to be circumcised to become Christians. The Gentiles don't have to go under this type of law or that type of law that is customary in Israel. In order to be accepted by God, that was a big moment. And without Acts 15, we might not be talking about the preservation of our freedom in the the gospel this morning. And, And it's right here. There's a debate whether Galatians was written right before the Jerusalem Council. And if that's the case, you see, Paul is just saying the same thing out in the province of Galatia, isn't he? Don't, you don't have to be circumcised. To be a believer. What are you thinking? This is grace. Will you who begin by the Spirit now try to complete the course by human effort? Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? This is about Christ. Are you going to cash in your freedom because one dude walks in and says, you know, if you don't do this and and that in addition to Jesus, you won't be accepted by God. And I'm going to tell you, Paul is, if this is written after the Jerusalem Council, he is definitely trying to stick the landing on grace, isn't he? 
You know, if you read the book of Romans, the book of Romans just reads like this incredible, like, argument laid out uh, about the big picture and all the details and all through history of God's salvation and through the Jews and through everybody else and predestination and all of it. You know, it's this unbelievable 20,000 foot view, but it's all about grace. It's all about Jesus. You know what Galatians is? Galatians is very similar to Romans in many ways, except for this. Crank up the volume. That's what Galatians is. Galatians is like a lot of Romans amped. Galatians is an an absolute high volume scream of Paul saying it's Jesus. Don't cash in your freedom. This kind of grace-wrecking theology will just wreck our lives. And all of us struggle with this. Have you ever done this? Have you ever said, well, I know, I know I'm accepted because of Jesus. I know my sins are forgiven, but I really sinned the other day or the other night. And I feel like what I need to do is do like three good deeds to, to be okay with God again for the sin that I committed. Have you ever done that kind of thing? I, I've called it before. I've called it the algebra of works. We don't do that. What do we do? We say, Jesus, you have forgiven my sin. Therefore, I have a clear and open path to the throne of grace. All I got to do is repent of my sins. I don't have to earn it. I just apply the forgiveness that is already there. That is beautiful. I don't have to live in fear that maybe God won't love me anymore. Because it is finished. And he will always love me in the gospel. I tell you, this makes a beam walker out of you. I, I had a great year of basketball in my eighth grade year. I had my, my basketball career. I played high school basketball all the way through. And in the eighth grade, I was point guard. In the eighth grade, I decided right then and there, I love me some basketball. And you know why I love basketball? It's kind of like the, what, the reason some of y'all love some subjects or some sports in your life. I love basketball. I think one of the main reasons is the coach I had in the eighth grade, we were on the C team, you know, before junior varsity and then the varsity. It's called the C team. So I was a starting point guard on the C team. And the coach basically taught us all these basketball skills. He taught us what to do, what not to do. He taught, you know, we had to do three free throws till we were sick of it. Not the whole nine yards. Very good fundamentally. But, you know, his main message wasn't that. His main message was, okay, now that you got it, you're getting it. Go do it. Just play the game. And you'd make a mistake, he'd say, hey, it's okay. Shake it off. Play the game. Let me tell you something. That is amazing. And in the eighth grade, C-team basketball, my big memory is the love of the game. And the freedom to make mistakes. And still be okay with my coach. And, and the freedom to just go and run and to, and to go further because I'm not scared of what might happen and just go for it. And then was junior varsity. And a brand new coach. Don't you just hate it, these stories about brand new coaches? Sometimes they're great, sometimes they're awful. I hope, like, my coach doesn't listen to this on the internet, but he was awful. 
My junior varsity coach was awful. You know why? Taught the same fundamentals. With him, it was all about don't make the mistake. You, when it's time to break into the lane, you better break. We're going to lose those games if you miss those free throws. I mean, you're on the free throw line and you can hear him in your head saying, don't miss. <laughs> that is not the way to play basketball. And it was awful. Don't make errors. Don't turn the ball over. We're going to lose if y'all turn the ball over. You know, this, this game's going to come down to whether we turn the ball over. Well, that's true. <laughs> I, I found it very hard to enjoy the game. And my play suffered as a result. I was still the point guard. But I became a basketball beam walker in the ninth grade. And I hate to tell you, that lasted the rest of my career, which did not extend to college, in case you're wondering. <laughs> I was miserable. And I told my mama I wanted to quit. That's a whole other story. Of course, I wasn't allowed to quit. Paul is saying, you were just running so well. What happened to you? Who put you back up on the beam? And look, it's not just the law. It's not just circumcision. As a, I mean, it's anything you think you're going to do. It's going to Barnes & Noble, trying to find you a three-step book to happiness and trying to make that work, walk that beam. It won't work. It won't work. Anything that we try to do to make our lives, anything that we try to do to be a co-savior or a savior means that Jesus no longer matters in the terms of Jesus and his grace only. Be free. Secondly is live free. Yes, realize you are free. And being free is so wonderful because suddenly it's all about Jesus. And not about you. And suddenly you are secure and there's spiritual oxygen. And I want that for you this year. But Paul goes further than just realizing you're free. He says they can live free. I want to quote the NIV for this verse. Uh, Galatians 5, 6. Which many commentators have said is the most succinct description of the entire Christian life in the New Testament. So it's pretty important. And it's the last part of the verse. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. So what's it all about? Paul goes on to say, the only thing that counts is faith, the gospel, Jesus alone. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. This isn't faith plus loving people to be okay. This is faith in the gospel that brings freedom that then, being free, you play the game with abandon, you see. You run in the field and you're able to express that faith through love in this relationship of freedom. This is living free. It is beyond just knowing that you're free. It is a matter of realizing it. But it is a matter of faith in the gospel as our lives and faith expressing itself through love. Beam walking, how about a, an equation for you? Beam walking equals my works expressing itself through fear. 
field running is faith in Jesus' work expressing itself, working itself out, which is the ESV, in love. Now, can we talk about the fence around the playing field for a minute? The fence is the Word of God. See, it's not just be free, do whatever you want to. Well, it's be free, do whatever you want to, what the Word of God says to do. And when you break the Word of God, you run to your Heavenly Father, you're accepted, and you repent. You see, that's what sin is. It's any want of conformity or lack of, of, or transgression of the law of God, of the Word of God. So the fence around the field of grace is the Word of God. And let me tell you what it's there for in terms of our Christian life. The, The Word of God is there to channel grace to be what God wants our lives to be, to be what is best, what will best glorify Him and will bring the greatest continuing freedom, sense of that freedom and continuing joy to our lives. You know, Jesus was asked, what is the true meaning of the Word of God? What is the greatest commandment of the law? Remember what Jesus said? He said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and your strength. And the second is like it. To love your neighbor as yourself. This this is what we call Jesus' great commandment. And then he said this, all the law and the prophets hang on these. Meaning, this isn't just about the Ten Commandments. This is about the entire Word of God. The entire Word of God, as far as what what the Word of God is channeling us to do, is to love God and to love people. In fact, that's where we're going in our series. The next seven weeks, it's going to be called Loving the Other, the Blessing of Living Beyond Ourselves. It's how field running in grace expresses itself. Look at verse 13. Here it is. And I'll close. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Don't use your freedom to do whatever you want to, and especially just to do what you want to for you. Or the NIV says to indulge the flesh. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, but through love serve one another. Here's how you live three. You live free by serving one another in love. Verse 14. For, Paul says, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Do you get it? That's the fence. That's God's word. God's word is saying faith needs to express itself through love. We need to realize we're free. We need to get off that beam. And we need to run wide open in the field of grace, channeled by the Word of God. And the Word of God's primary intent is for us to be able to express out of this grace love for God and love for people. Do you know when freedom in Christ is absolutely the sweetest? I think you know this from your life. Freedom with God is is absolutely the sweetest when it gets down into our hearts and it turns into love. That's why mission trips are so great, right? Why are mission trips so great? Because you get to sleep on concrete? No, they're so great because faith expresses itself in love day one, right? And you go, why didn't I get this in Mississippi? This is what it's all about. 
And unfortunately, we actually have people come back from mission trips and say, I can't live the Christian life in Mississippi. I only walk with God on a mission trip. Wrong! No, you can realize you are free. You can be free right here. Because it is the gospel. And you can live free right here. Field running is about the freedom of grace, which produces the freedom to love. And that's what we're going to be looking at. What does field running look like? Okay, so which path do you want to take? You want to be a beam walker? 2015, make a decision. You want to be a field runner? I say it's time to run in field of grace. It's time to put our chest out, take a deep breath, and go play the game. And when you fall down, repent. And your Father loves you. It's time to be free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. But it's time to live free. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. For the whole law is summed up in these words. Love your neighbor as yourself. The only thing that counts is faith in Jesus expressing itself through love. Let's go to the table of grace and God's love. Lord, we pray that you would bless this coming year. Let it be the year of our Lord 2015, the year of our Lord Jesus Christ, a year where the cross is lifted high, where the empty tomb actually means new life, where your Holy Spirit is showing us our freedom, where we are able to move away from beam walking into field running, and where your word begins to channel that freedom toward love for you and others in our lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.